Our Father in heaven, how we thank you and praise you for your goodness to us, body and soul, for your creating us with bodies uh, in which you communicate your goodness to us and reflect your own goodness in us uh, and give us an opportunity uh, to image you and mirror you and your goodness to one another uh, spiritually and bodily. Uh, We ask, O Lord, that you would help us uh, to have this fellowship that you have given us, to enjoy it, to exercise it, to express it uh, in a way that uh, brings you much glory. Uh, we thank you for your wisdom, Lord Jesus, and how you administer the church uh, in the covenant under you, who are a son, over the house. Uh, and so we thank you uh, this morning, particularly for elders and deacons, uh, and as it fits uh, into where we are right now, uh, particularly, O oh Lord, for deacons, we pray that you would stir up our hearts towards you uh, to love one another uh, in temporal things and earthly things, uh, and that you would give us the men whom you have redeemed in your spirit as uh, gracing and gifting uh, for overseeing uh, all of our service to you uh, and to one another. Uh, and even to our neighbors in uh, our service and uh, temporal things. So we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the uh, text that brings us uh, into uh, this part of Galatians, where we are in, uh, in the course as a whole, believers' personal care for one another and its spillover outside the church is actually verse 10. Uh, We've seen this in other places. We saw it in Romans. We saw it uh, in Peter. Uh, But uh, here is the primary proof text when when someone says uh, we're to do good to believers first. Uh, This, of course, flows out not just of Romans and Peter, but especially of the new commandment, as Jesus calls it in John 13. Uh, But then by the time time, uh, John the Apostle writes 1 John, Uh, It's such a foundational and central commandment to the Christian life. He refers to the commandment that we love one another as Jesus has loved us as the commandment that we have had from the beginning. And when he says we, he means the Christian church under the administration of Christ. Uh, So uh, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength was the first great commandment. Loving your neighbor as yourself was the second great commandment. Uh, And when Jesus gives us a new commandment, it doesn't come in the form of the ten, it comes in the form of the two. Uh, And it really isn't the third great commandment, it's the first and a half. Uh, Because he's speaking about how we love one another uh, in light of the fact that we are united to Christ. Remember the original context in which he gave the new commandment. He had just washed their feet, he was about to go to the cross, and he was informing them that they would not be able to reciprocate to him in physical, material ways because he was going to the father and they could not come Uh, and so uh, love one another as i have loved you uh, is not just a description of intensity and manner but also reciprocation Uh, we love the lord jesus we love him because he first loved us we love him as our god with all that we are but we also love him as a man because he is a god man and we must love him consistently with his nature. Uh, However, his humanity 
is, is not physically accessible to us. Uh, and so he has done these amazing things and is about to do this amazing thing for the, uh, for the disciples. And he says, love one another as I have loved you. And what an opportunity then uh, our brothers and their physical neediness present us. Uh, Jesus was coming right up to the end of his physical neediness. Three days later, he would be in a glorified body. He would not be needy at all. Uh, the next time they had a meal, uh, he would have sunk their boats with fish, but prepared fish already uh, on the shore for them to have uh, to have for breakfast. There just would not be uh, neediness ever again. And uh, you can imagine having been one of the uh, one of the twelve. Uh, not Judas, of course, we know because he had no spirit given love for Jesus. But you can imagine having been one of the twelve uh, and realizing what is happening, especially as you learn of the resurrection, especially as the ascension comes, and you think, I had three years. I had three years to be the one who ran and got him a drink, like David's three mighty men ran for David. I had three years to wait on him at table or wash his feet, which I could have done, but I never thought to do, because only slaves do that, uh, and now he has done that for me. Um, Many of us uh, feel that way about our grown and gone children. I had all this time, uh, and you children will feel that way about your mom and dad. If you don't already, uh, one day uh, the Lord will take them or the Lord will providentially move you and your opportunities uh, to, to wait upon and serve and love uh, mom and dad uh, materially, physically, immediately in the home. Uh, those will be gone. Those are limited time opportunities. Uh, that we treasure for the sake of uh, of the love that the Lord has given us for them. Uh, well, the love of the brethren is a reciprocation, uh, both in spiritual things uh, and in material things. We have the opportunity uh, to love one another as Christ has loved us, to give the cup of cold water or the morsel or the visit or the clothing uh, for the sake of their being connected to the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Wonderfully, this connects both to uh, last week's morning sermon and the fellowship that we have and wanting to do one another, not just physical good. They definitely wanted to do, uh, Paul, the, the physical good, um, but wanting to do one another uh, spiritual good as well. And, and we saw uh, the effects of the fellowship uh, upon one another. And sadly, uh, even the Jerusalem elders uh, and James had a negative spiritual effect. Uh, on the Apostle Paul, but we we want to serve one another materially as well. Uh, and Paul, as we're going to see this week and next week uh, in the morning sermons, uh, Lord willing and Lord helping us, uh, remembered that this is also very physical as well. Uh, he was introduced to Jesus with the language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? And it wasn't them, was it? It was me. Very sobering for those of us who have who have harmed other believers. And if we have uh, lived with other believers in our home or uh, or in the assembly, in the church, we have spiritually and, and physically, uh, emotionally, socially harmed other believers. Uh, but we have much opportunity to do one another good. Uh, and so there's this priority uh, because of union with Christ, not just the image of God, but union with Christ. And that's why Galatians 6.10 is so key. Uh, in our study, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. 
Uh, and so as our deacons lead us, uh, they're going to lead us, of course, in following what, uh, what Christ has taught by his spirit in the New Testament. They're going to lead us uh, both in the collection of uh, congregational funds for congregational needs and for the needs of other congregations. That's, uh, that's what the collected corporate um, uh, funds, diaconal funds are used for in the New Testament. But they're also going to, uh, they're also going to lead us as individuals in loving our neighbors in non-trivial uh, and both spiritually and materially uh, loving our neighbors. But that, especially to the household of faith, that's going to control how our deacons lead us in loving our neighbors because we're going to love our neighbors for the sake of the same one that our brother is united to by faith. Our neighbor might not be, but he is still created in his image and he is still offered his gospel. Uh, and so it's, it's that reasoning toward Christ, reasoning toward Christ as creator, reasoning towards Christ as redeemer, uh, that our deacons are going to take from the ministry of the eldership. This is one of the reasons why it is so important that the deacons have good doctrine. It's not like you're going to have, you can have, you need to have elders of good doctrine so they can oversee the preaching. They can, uh, they can make sure that uh, we're worshiping God according to scripture and hearing the word of God faithfully preached and that discipleship is happening in our homes and, uh, and all of those things. Uh, it's not like you have that need, but you, you don't really need deacons, uh, to be, uh, too theologically sound, uh, because after all, they're, they're just administered. In some churches, they do all. Uh, of the material service. And that's, that's where you get into the mess of people wanting to ordain all sorts of people to the diaconate because they serve. Well, someone who serves in the church is just a Christian, not necessarily a deacon. Uh, but in order for the deacons to oversee us and help us, they need to be helping us apply this view of Christ, this knowledge of Christ, and how that, uh, and the implications of that for someone who is our brother. And what we do with them uh, materially. But the implications of that for congregational needs, uh, uh, which verses 6 through 9, uh, when it says, uh, let us do good to all, especially to the house, to those who are of the household of faith, uh, I say it with a little bit of embarrassment because I, I have remaining fleshliness, but I should be completely unembarrassed to say, he means especially ministers. He means especially preachers. Because it's coming out of verses 7 through 9. Or, sorry, verses 6 through 9. Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. There's a lot of good to do, enough that God says we will get weary uh, if we are not committed to him from the heart. So we need to keep heart so that we don't grow weariness. Uh, so we don't. So he tells us, uh, let's not lose heart. Let's stick to the word that we're taught. And one of the implications of that will be that everything that we have, we are going to sow to the spirit. That doesn't mean only use spiritually, because he's just been talking about the use of material things, but he's talking about prioritizing spiritual things and how we interact with one another and what we do with our will. Well, one of the things that uh, uh, that taking the extra week 
did for us then uh, is it lets us back all the way up uh, to chapter 5 and verse 16 so that we can see that this is actually coming out of the language of bearing burdens in verse 2, but that comes out of uh, this whole second half of chapter 5 in which he's talking about walking in the Spirit. Uh, in the beginning of the chapter, he says, Brethren, uh, this is the beginning of chapter 6, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Now, you could say, well, I have the spiritual gift of, uh, of recognizing people who are caught in sin uh, and restoring them. I am spiritual. I'm a Christian. I have the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, uh, the, the Lord uh, helps us avoid uh, such immature views uh, uh, of ourselves, nominating ourselves uh, to, this, uh, to this class of you who are spiritual uh, by the completion of verse 1 in the context uh, of 5, 22 and 23. Uh, so it's, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So there are all these temptations involved, not just in being someone who's caught in a sin, but someone who's trying to help someone who's caught in a sin. Uh, and we know one of the, the great temptations, someone uh, began to, to actually uh, allude to the passage uh, to me a, a few minutes ago. One of the great temptations is to forget that any skill that we have in spec removal was obtained in log removal. And it's not that we don't help one another. We want to see in order that we can help with the, bro- the brother with the speck in his eye. That's what the Lord Jesus says. But the prerequisite for developing that skill is the, humilia- uh, the humiliation before God and humility before men and the skill in recognizing the sources of sin and how it operates in the heart. One of the things that makes the Puritans um, such a, a mercy of God to us because he really helped them uh, understand themselves well and the operation of the heart and the interaction with God. Uh, and you... Uh, you learn those things about yourself and about how sin works and about your new nature in Christ, your identity in him, uh, and uh, and how from that identity and union with him, helped by the Spirit, you attack what remains that is that is in you, the sin that is in you, but you are not in it. Uh, and if that feels like drinking from a fire hose, uh, you know, uh, stick with it and especially, you know, review the last month and a half's worth or so of sermons in the midweek meeting, uh, but this, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit uh, of gentleness. He's referring to those who were in their flesh. And so they had been living according to the works of the flesh, which included hatred, contentiousness, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, all those things that I just mentioned uh, from uh, from Galatians 5.20 are temptations, especially when you're restoring someone who's caught in a sin. There is a gentleness that the Spirit produces that is part of this ninefold fruit in verses 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is one of the reasons why a prerequisite uh, for an elder or a deacon is that he be blameless and that he be full of the Spirit. Remember when we were Act 6? That was the primary qualification. Uh, there was the preliminary qualification. He had to be a man. He used the male-specific word. But the primary qualification is that he would be full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so we need elders who are full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, obviously, this is uh, spiritual care. Uh, but verse 2 covers both, doesn't it? Spiritual and physical things. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are complex. Our sin is complex. And often there are circumstantial, financial, even physical aspects uh, to our sin. Uh, when we minister to one another, it's not like there's this, there's this cleanly separate, these cleanly separated categories of ministering to one another spiritually and ministering to one another materially. We do both in every part of the ministry. Uh, and so when it says you who are spiritual, yes, it does mean those who are mature. It's not saying only officers. But when you see the, the list of the fruits of the Spirit, uh, verses uh, 22 to 23, uh, and you see the list of the works of the flesh that are to be avoided, especially because there's temptation whenever there's, uh, whenever there's potential for conflict and uh, you might fall into the sin uh, of looking down upon, uh, despising your brother, oversimplifying his situation, uh, holding him accountable spiritually, uh, and not trying to help him materially uh, when there's a significant material earthly component uh, to what's going on with him. Uh, you might even be tempted into falling into the same sin uh, as uh, as your brother, all those things. Uh, so, uh, so this is especially... Uh, especially elders and deacons here, uh, verse 1 and 2, and then those who are not elders and, or deacons but are hoping to be spiritual. We all are, right? We don't say, well, you know, I don't have to be full of the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I'm not aspiring to be a church officer, uh, which, uh, young men, uh, he who aspires to be an overseer desires a good thing. Uh, you are already called to be a church officer in your home one day, uh, when you're a father and a husband, uh, not a not an official congregational officer, but you're a household officer in your home. Uh, you oversee and you disciple and you lead and you hold accountable and uh, and the the buck stops with you uh, and the the bathing of your wife and her sanctification and the rearing of your children so that uh, they're not just disciplined. It's the discipline of the Lord. They're not just instructed. It's the instruction of the Lord. Uh, so you don't get off the hook for that. Uh, but I hope there are none of us who say, well, I don't really need to be a full of the Holy Spirit Christian. Uh, if you think that way, then you really need to listen to the next several sermons in the first half of Romans 8 uh, in the midweek meeting, uh, because that is not how someone who is in Christ thinks. That is not someone who has the spirit of Christ thinks. Uh, and the dreadful warning there is if you don't have the spirit of Christ and if you are not led by him in putting to death the deeds of the body, uh, that you are not united to Christ. There are many who say, Lord, Lord, and he says, I never knew you. Relationship with Jesus is the most important thing. 
But relationship with Jesus is most, uh, most clearly identified by his knowing us, not by our using his name. Uh, they say, in your name, in your name, in your name, Matthew 7, 21, 22, 23, uh, in there. Uh, but he says, I never knew you. Uh, so using the name of Jesus uh, is, uh, is no substitute for being known by Jesus, being indwelt by his spirit, uh, being united to him through faith, uh, being co-adopted uh, with him in his uh, inherent sonship, innate sonship, uh, and now uh, our adopted sonship in union with him, all of these things. Uh, and so we're aiming at the list in verses 22 to 23, and God has put into his church officers who before they become elders or deacons in the church, manifest the fruits. They show forth the fruits in verses 22 and 23. So when it says, you who are spiritual, elders are taking the lead, deacons are taking the lead, they're overseeing us and helping us love one another and bear one another's burdens. And so, dads, do you have um, uh, many of you, actually I think just about all of the, uh, the ones who are dads in here, uh, you have... Uh, a little household of people who get caught in sins all the time. And you have lots of opportunity for teaching them how to think of one another as both image bearers and united to Christ, and uh, in, both with respect to their soul and with their body, and to teach them um, to identify what's coming from their flesh, verses 19 through uh, 21, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, and what's coming from the Spirit, which is to say it's coming from Christ and our union with him. Remember, children, you're not just to obey your parents. You are to apply your union with Christ in obedience with your parents. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, that in the you know, When our kids disobey us, isn't the temptation to focus on the front half? Children, obey your parents. Uh, whereas that which is actually going to produce the obedience is in the second half, in the Lord. This is one of the places where it really matters to be covenantal and Presbyterian. You know, praise God, there are a lot of uh, internally inconsistent, Reformed-ish, uh, lowercase, uh, Baptists out there. But you call your child a saint from the moment that the Lord gives you that child, and you call them to repentance and faith and to live out of their union with Christ. And pretty quickly... God uh, being faithful, the Spirit is going to convince them that their only hope of the kind of obedience that mom and dad require is to trust in the Lord Jesus. How am I supposed to live out of union with him if I don't have a vital union with him? If I'm not hoping in him and hating my sin for his sake and hoping only in him for my forgiveness and hoping only in him uh, for my life and for my ability. Yeah, our children. Yeah, don't get me the wrong way. I don't mean to like say you should give your children a psychological complex. But isn't every one of our sins a spiritual crisis? Isn't it the flesh expressing itself over against the new man in Jesus? And then when the flesh expresses itself too much, doesn't that worry us that there might not be a new man in Jesus? Not all believers have assurance. Uh, and uh, And our children start out uh, needing to needing to lay hold of Christ. Well, a man who is leading his 
wife leading his children in that way, even if the Lord never uh, never brings him to the place of becoming an elder in the church or a deacon in the church, is he not in training at least to be one of these those who are spiritual in Galatians six one, and perhaps even uh, in training to be uh, the the elder or the deacon who helps the rest of the congregation be spiritual, helps the congregation act in a spirit of gentleness with one another, helps the congregation bear one another's burdens, helps the congregation live in humility. For if anyone thinks himself, this is verse 3, for if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. We don't have, um, we don't have time to cover all of those things. Uh, but then that is what leads right into verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Um, this is, by the way, I don't have the proof text because I just have uh, the hymnal version here. I don't remember uh, if it's one of the proof texts. But the, which is when the confession and catechisms were first submitted to Parliament, they were submitted without proof texts. And Parliament requested them, and the assembly uh, was unwilling at first uh, because the the texts come in the context of the whole scripture, uh, and yet they uh, they did go ahead. That's why uh, often when you read a proof text on a confession or the catechism, you scratch your head and you say, "I don't see how that proves that." Well, that doesn't mean that you were smarter or more spiritual or knew better hermeneutics or exegesis than the Westminster divides. Uh, it means that they were probably wise in saying, um, but if we put proof texts, people will think that all you need is that text. Um, but listen to uh, the first two paragraphs of chapter 26 and hear how this ministry to one another in material and spiritual things, is uh, both aspects are required, both flow out of our union with Christ and our fellowship uh, with one another. Uh, Westminster Confession 26, 1 and 2, uh, all saints that are united to Jesus Christ, their head by his spirit and by faith, have fellowship with him in his graces, sufferings, death, resurrection, and glory, and being united to one another in love, they have communion, that is a fellowship, a sharing in, a sharing in. they have communion in each other's gifts and graces and are obliged to the performance of such duties, public and private, can't have public worship by yourself, or sitting on a computer on a live stream, but we both need the means of grace and public worship, most of all, are obliged to the performance of such duties, public and private, as do conduce to their mutual good, both in the inward and outward man. Saints by profession are bound to maintain in holy fellowship and communion in the worship of God and in performing such other spiritual services as tend to their mutual edification. See, this is, a, a, this is an expansion of the inward and outer, outer man from the, first, uh, from, the, from the first part of the chapter. As also in relieving each other in outward things, according to their several abilities, on the one hand, and necessities, those who are helped, on the other hand, which communion as God offereth opportunity, as God offereth opportunity, Okay, this is not uh, you're responsible for everyone else's, every other believer's problem in the world. 
Um, which communion, as God offereth opportunity, is to be extended unto all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus. So ministering to one another out of respect for Christ, union with Christ, the work of his spirit in us, addressing one another as complex people, material and spiritual, with corresponding needs that go together. I know that's a lot, and we covered it quickly. Uh, but thank you for your patience and attention. Let's ask God to bless it to us. Our Father in heaven, we have just said many things about what we need your spirit to do and how it comes out of union with Christ. And so we pray that you would give us to know the fellowship of your Holy Spirit uh, so that uh, by his ministry to us and in us, uh, we would know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even, O oh God, as we know your love, how we thank you uh, that this even is the benediction, the blessing that you pronounce upon us in the Lord Jesus. We pray, Lord, for your ongoing work of your spirit, that he would bring to mind uh, this second uh, half of Galatians 5, first half of Galatians 6, and other passages to which we alluded, that he would make our hearts fertile soil, uh, that that which you have said would take deep root in us, and would bear fruit in our minds, in our lives, in our households, in our congregation. Uh, Lord, this is how you have said in your word, Christ is glorified uh, among his people. We wish to see it uh, in our lives. And so bring it to pass, we ask, by your grace, in your love, which we know most of all in Christ Jesus, in whose name we ask it. Amen.